So let me tell you, come on up, Jim, a couple of goals for tonight. The, the primary goal is to get together. So that goal has been accomplished. Well done. But we wanted to get, get everybody together as leaders, leadership community together. And um, we, then we want to give you some information, logistical information, and then do a little bit of training. Normally our leadership kickoff is a Friday night and all Saturday morning. It's streamlined this year. But we're going to do some training tonight as, as leaders together on leading during times of crisis and, and chaos and, and um, stress. So Jim's going to give us a few uh, logistical thoughts, and then I'll come up and we'll do some training together. Well, I just want to start by thanking you for coming out tonight. Um, as I look at, at all of our a big majority of our leaders gathered out here in the foyer, the courtyard. Uh, it's really uh, touching, moving, and I'm grateful for your willingness to serve and your love for your people that you lead. I'm grateful for that. And so I am going to talk to you some about logistics of small group as we kick off the fall. So one of the things that we I want to talk about first is um, meeting. We want you meeting with your people. And so you're uh, going to have to be creative and consistent at the same time. And so mask or no mask, inside or outside, on the porch or at a park or at a restaurant or walking uh, down a path somewhere. The answer is yes, whatever you got to do to get your people together and to, to, to do life together in small group, the answer is yes. We, we want to support you in that. So we want you to do what you're comfortable with. You're the group leader. We want you to know you make the call. So if you want your guys in mask. That's okay. You just make that call, and uh, we will have your back on that. If you're, if you're just going to, hey, we're going to meet on my back porch, and we'll figure it out uh, when it gets cold, what we're going to do, we got your back on that. But we just want you to, to, to be consistent and to uh, be confident in leading your group. Um, you really, in the end, the decision is yours. And we, we want to, we're going to support you. And so know this, though, moving forward each and every day, you know this. Uh, Terry has a saying, hold on uh, to your plans loosely, right? And so I think that's a good word for small group, too. Hold on to your plans lo loosely. Uh, be ready to adjust on the fly as need. But in all of that, what is, in my opinion, one of the most important things is that we have fun leading group and being together with the folks that God has given you to lead. So have fun this year. So talking about locations, several people have asked, hey, can I meet at River? No. <laughs> you can't meet at River. And we, we had multiple people that were meeting here at River. And uh, just with COVID and construction starting on September the 14th, 
Uh, it's just too complicated, and we don't even want to go down that and set that precedent. So really, uh, we don't want anybody meeting here at River. And as I said, construction is scheduled to start September 14th, and so there's going to be a lot of uncertainties uh, during the week uh, trying to navigate the construction, and uh, that's just... We want to be, we want our footprint here at the church to be as small as we can during the week and then on Sunday gather here and worship. And that's kind of what the construction crew is planning on doing anyways. And so um, study guides, Terry's going to talk to you some about study guides uh, when he gets up to speak, but I want you to know starting the week of September 6th, I'm going to start pumping those study guides out again, and I'm going to do my best to have those ready uh, Sunday by the end of uh, second service. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do my best to get them done. There may be a, a couple of days that I don't, don't do that, but for the most part, that's what I'm going to shoot for. Rem and I want to tell you this. Remember that those study guides are just uh, that. They're just that. They are a guide to help you work through Terry's sermon. And maybe your mind may not work like mine, uh, and if it, do, it doesn't, that's okay. But hopefully something in that study guide will spur your mind or remind you of the sermon or just help you to lead your group. It's just a tool. And so with that said, you don't have to go from start to finish all the way through that study guide. You can just pick one or two topics and do it that way, you can just read it and think, huh, that's really good. Or I don't know what Jim is talking about. <laughs> and then, but use it to, to, to get your head wrapped around the sermon. Because remember, we're wanting you to, to not just hear the sermon on Sunday. We want you to, to hear it on Sunday and then during the week, metabolize it and help your folks get it in to the tips of their fingers too. And so, uh, so you have flexibility there, okay? Um, group locations and times. I know uh, I've talked to several people, and I know you guys are still trying to figure out your times and, and exactly how you're going to do group. But when you get it figured out, just shoot me a text. Shoot Brenda a text or an email and just give us a heads up on what you're thinking we, we want to do that because we, we have a database where we keep all that information uh, so that we can help people that are looking for small groups. And so we want to keep that up to date as best we can. So if you would, just provide us with the time and place and if there's any changes uh, to your group. Last thing, the, uh, for the Church Institute Theology One, uh, the link, uh, Rodney is gonna, going to... Uh, get that up on the web. Um, man, he's such a great guy. He, he texted me, you know, he's with his family in Wichita Falls, and he was like, I didn't even ask him to, but he was like, man, I'm going to get that up on the web tonight. So it'll be up there tonight, but uh, it is uh, rivercc.org forward slash for the church institute, or uh, FTC, FTC. So if you're wanting to take that class, go ahead and just click on that link and sign up. Uh, and then you can register for the class at that time, and you'll get information 
about uh, when we're starting and all of that on the website. And I think that's really it for me as far as logistics go. So I want to talk about, we'll do some training together, a little bit of training, and then we'll, um, we'll be released. But I want to talk about leading during times of crisis, confusion, and conflict, leading in and through or during the bang. We've talked a lot over the last couple of years about resiliency. Uh, if you remember the concept or the model, maybe some of you challenge leaders don't, but there's a model of resiliency where left of the bang, it's my left, left of the bang, and the bang is an event, a crisis, a community crisis, an individual crisis, a family crisis, a trauma. Left of the bang is when you practice and work on resiliency skills, things made famous by the bouncy, breaky song, you know, relational, physical, mental, and spiritual skills. When the bang happens, that's when you put those skills to practice. That's when you find out, was my training adequate <laughs> or not? And and then right of the bang is when you recover, go into a post-bang growth mode, cycle back around, left of the next bang, and you learn from what you needed to learn from, and you start practicing those skills again. We are, as a nation, in, in the middle of the bang. I talked to a, a, a leader in a church, and their church is, in, is going through some extra issues. Um, they're fighting over some things. And so he asked, what do I do? And I said, well, you're in the bang. It's too late to fix the culture. So here's some things to survive right now. Once you get through this, go back and address some things that were not there that did not make you a resilient culture when the bang happened. But right now, I would advise you to not try to fix culture. So this time has revealed some some strengths and some weaknesses for all of us probably, both individually and groups and as a church, certainly as a nation. But I, I just want to congratulate you on how you've lived, how you've led during this time. I have a lot of um, pastor friends who have had a lot of complaining and griping, and I haven't. Maybe you have and just haven't told me, but thank you for not telling me anyway. So I want to talk about leading during the bang, through the bang, and some things that are really important. Earlier this summer, I mentioned in a sermon the differentiated leader, and from a, from a book by Friedman, Dr. Friedman, called A Failure of Nerve. I threw it out there. It's pretty confusing just to grab, but let me, let me um, stop there for just a few minutes and kind of talk about that. A differentiated leader comes from cell biology. Deborah, you could probably come up and lecture on this, and um, or, or Kevin, cells are the building blocks of life, and a healthy cell is distinct from other cells, so it's well differentiated. It's clearly defined boundaries. Like fast-growing cancer cells are not well differentiated. If you look at them under the microscope, they're very disorganized. And healthy cells are distinct individual pieces of life, yet these cells work together with other cells to make a heart, a brain, or a human being. So the whole point of a different, well-differentiated leader is that you are yourself. You're distinct. You're not depending on other people to um, survive, to have confidence, to have courage. You're getting that from the Lord, but you're connected. Because if you're just by yourself, a cell by itself is just a cell. You want to come together to form a body. 
So a well-differentiated leader is someone who has clarity about his or her goals. And because you have clarity, you're less likely to become lost in the anxious emotional processes swirling around you. You're connected, but you're clearly defined in your life and leadership purposes. So this clarity about what your life is about allows you to be lead effectively during these times of the bang. And you're a God-called leader. You say, well, I thought you asked me to lead, or Jim, or Brenda. No, God called you to lead. We're convinced of that. We have affirmed that calling. And you have a clear role and a clear goal as a Christian leader. And you can lead from that secure place. Now, it doesn't mean that you will always feel confident and called or never feel anxious. What we're talking about tonight is growth, becoming more this kind of leader. And for your acts of leadership, as you take leadership to flow from the facts of your faith and the facts of your calling, not so much from how you feel today. So here's another definition of this differentiated leader. This is someone who can separate themselves while remaining connected. And because you can separate, kind of rise above, and yet stay connected, you can maintain, there's three things, modifying this is in the notes you have. Modifying, non-anxious, and when needed, a challenging presence. Modifying means that you're able to help people who've gotten off track, who've lost perspective. You can recenter them. I can't overstate the importance of these kind of leaders for our time. I'm telling you. And you guys are interacting with people. I'm interacting with people. I get to talk to friends in Topeka and even friends in D.C., this is a need of our time, these kinds of people, non-anxious. When circumstances are such that anxiety is high, this leader, through a ministry of presence, you don't have to have smart words. <laughs> like Ernest said, through a ministry of presence, you de-escalate. Now, you may be spinning up on the inside, but that's okay. And then challenging, when required, this leader will stand down a member who's trying to draw others into their cycles of anxiety or sin. Not the, this is not the absence of empathy. This is the presence of clarity. Here's a really challenging verse from Titus 3.10. Warn a device, listen to this, warn a divisive person once. Warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. They are sinful, warped, and self-deceived. You say, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> it is. Now, if you look in Corinthians, where 1 Corinthians, church discipline was in place, and Paul said, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that the devil can have at him. But why? So that his soul might be saved. 2 Corinthians, that very person repented, and Paul said, take him back as a full brother. The, the purpose here is take a strong line for the good of people. This is a difficult but important concept. This is, sounds mean, but it's kindness. It's being kind to the person. It's being kind to the group. Leaders can't get sucked into the whirlpool of divisive people, and you can't let them take control of the hearts and minds of the group. It's probably not going to get to that level in your group, but it might. The point, though, is you have to be ready, not happy about it, <laughs> not, not anxious to do it, but ready to step up and be well differentiated to say no. This leader can manage his or her own. We all have a tendency to react, but you can manage your own reactivity 
And therefore, you can take stands at the risk of displeasing others. So I told you about the leader in a church who called me, and they're fighting over mask, no mask, and is posing a great threat to their church. I told him, often offer as many options as is feasible. After you've done that, if someone, I don't care who they are, are childish, demanding, or judgmental, tell them, stand down, or this is not the place for you. The leader can't react, but they have to be ready to act for the good of the group. You've got to tell a divisive person, you know, that's just not allowed. It's not good for you. It's not good for us. I had a family member years ago. They're no longer in our family, but this person would show up for family events and would be moody and unhappy and would try to suck all of us into their unhappiness. They would drain all the things from Thanksgiving if we let them. So we had to determine, we're going to love you, but we will not join you in your misery. And it's not going to do it. And you, and you can't let, ever, as a leader, you can't let the least emotionally person in your group set the agenda for your group. God's already given you the agenda for your group. And it's not to sit around and, and, and become more miserable and less godly. It's to seek God and become more like Him. So love them, but lead them. This is difficult, but it's necessary. So you have to be able to take a stand that might be unpopular. It doesn't mean you like doing it. Hopefully you don't like doing it, but you will if you have to. So Galatians 1.10, really important verse. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I'm trying to please men, I'm not a servant of Christ. So he's saying, at any point in your heart and in my heart, there's only one engine can drive my life. People pleasing or God pleasing, but I can't have both at the same time. And if I'm people pleasing, letting that drive my life, then I am at that point not pleasing Christ. Tough. No one does this easily, but as leaders, we can improve our capacity. That's why this is training together. None of us is great at this. We want to get better at it. So to lead well in times of stress, the leader must not be risk adverse. You can't move through leadership saying, how do I avoid taking any chances, making anybody mad? Do risk management. Do your best to not do that. But you can't be risk adverse because if you're risk adverse, meaning my goal is don't make a mistake, that's unsustainable. You can't be committed to providing temporary good feelings. You hope people feel good about your leadership. It always feels good when they feel good, but it can't be your goal. And you can't be overly committed to consensus. Consensus is good. It's a noble goal, and there's times when it's impossible. Paul wrote, as far as possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. So the goal of your leadership is to love and to lead, to lovingly lead God's people towards God's purposes. You know your goal. You say, Terry, this is asking too much. I'm not a professional leader. I'm not that direct. I'm not that confident. I'm not that competent. None of us are, but you can do this. We can get better at doing this. That's why we're training tonight. This is leadership community. We work together. And to grow in this capacity is just good for us. It's good for the people we love. It's just good. And God uses leaders. The Bible is full of that from beginning to end. And leaders have to be connected to the people they live and yet committed to Jesus' lordship above all. So let me give you three applications for group leadership. 
This, this was all sort of the setup. These flow out of that. First big application. We all like to be liked, but we are called to lead. It's great when they both happen at the same time. <laughs> but they won't always. And if you've been leading for a while, you know that's true. I got a, um, an email from a friend who helped start the church 30 years ago. His job took him out of town many years ago. And he, I had forgotten about this, but he, he um, texted me and, and said, hey, I've been thinking about something. I just wanted to thank you. And I said, what? He said, thank you for firing me from my volunteer position 20 years ago. <laughs> and I barely remember it, but he reminded me. I thought, yeah, I remember that. And he, he had sort of become entitled and grumpy and, and, um, and kind of hoarding over his position. And I said, you know, thank you for serving, but you got to step down. It was uncomfortable. I thought it was probably good for him. Um, he probably didn't. But 20 years later, um, it was a good outcome. So if your main goal is to be liked, you might find yourself taking the near view too often, meaning felt need versus actual need. They're not always different, but often they're not the same. Responding to current emotions and anxiety rather than setting clear direction. Asking what it might cost me rather than what's the right thing to do here. So if your goal is to love and lead, you're going to more often take the long view which means effective leadership during a bang doesn't measure too soon. So, for instance, don't drive home after group and measure how well you did leading group <laughs> or how good of a teacher you are or after a conversation with someone. It's just not a good idea. Or when you feel like a failure or someone's criticized you, just leave it alone. Leave it with God. Learn from it. But keep the big picture in mind. And you know, but I'll say this, none of this I'm talking about unilateral leadership, hard-headed, insecure, solo, dictator. Listen, love, learn, but lead. And your leadership in your small group on this corner of Wichita, from this corner of Wichita, has implications that extend to the end of the earth, to the ends of time. And that's no hyperbole. I believe this long as a fact of faith, I now believe it as a fact of experience. Your leadership is important. And I also know that life feels very mundane on any given night. But it never is. So, second, don't sacrifice clarity for diplomacy. Be willing to say, this is what we're doing and here's why we're doing it. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. We're just not doing that. You pick the sport, but I'll, we're playing basketball. Yeah, bats, those are cool. Hockey sticks, those are cool. We're not using them. It's just not what we're doing here. So in new member training, we'll often use what we call the factory illustration. Do you have a picture of that on your notes, I think? Do you see it? Anybody see it? Okay. And well, the reason we use it new member is because over the years, we've had people come to River. River is, we're just trying to be a faithful church. We're not trying to be the best church in town, whatever in the world that would mean. But we are who we are. And we like who we are. We're trying to get better, but we like who we are. So people will come and they'll say, I'm here because I like what God is producing here. I like the people. I like the culture. Okay, good. And I want to learn more about how to be a part. And then as they learn, they go, okay, I like what's being produced here. But I want you to do the things 
that they did at the church I came from that I didn't like what they were producing. So I was comfortable with their processes, but I like what you're producing. Can you make that happen? And I go, no, I don't know how to do that. Because you do know the product is tied to the processes. And so I have to tell people, you, you've become comfortable with certain processes. Maybe you grew up with them or whatever. But the processes that we employ, we try to do better at, we've thought about them. And we do them on purpose. So some of you excel at diplomacy. It's a gift. Some excel at clarity. It's a gift. But we all have to be kind and gracious. But when push comes to shove, we have to be clear. This is what we're doing. That's okay. You can do that. We're just not doing that. It's leading people towards God's purposes. And those purposes are outlined in our theology, what we believe. We're not going to start doing something outside of what we believe and our heart attitudes, how we behave. And so someone says, hey, will you study this? No, we're not going to study that. Why? Well, because it's unbiblical. But how about this? No, it's just out of line with our purposes. Are you going to do Grudem systematic theology in group? No. Why? It's biblical. Yeah, but it's just outside the parameters of what we do in group. Now, if you want to do Grudem systematic theology, I can probably find someone to do it with you. But we're not doing that in group. Or no, you know, we're not going to allow that particular attitude or action to persist. Why? Because it's not helping the group, or it's just ungodly, or it's contrary to our purposes. I mean, do it with a smile, but do it. Because without clarity of purpose, understood and communicated, it's a matter of time before we get off track. And if our goal is to make sure nobody's unhappy, it's going to be not going to be very long before pretty much everybody's unhappy. And that's what's happening in some churches. I would love for people, no one, to be unhappy. But it can't be my goal. Be kind and be clear, but don't sacrifice clarity. It's just not being kind. I've had conversations here over the year. Fortunately, not many. Probably in 20 years, less, I mean, 30 years, less than 10. That's not very many. Where I've said, you're not going to be happy here. Let me find you someplace else. We're not going to change. If you're waiting for us to change, you're going to be dead or I'm going to be dead. It's just not going to happen. You say, is that unkind? I don't think so. Proverbs 27, 6 says, the wounds of a friend are faithful. It's the enemy who multiplies kisses. Oh, you're so wonderful. Yeah, we'll do whatever you want. No, we won't. We can't. The third, last point, keep the tensions in order to lead during times of tension. What happens during times of tension is that we want to let go of a healthy tension. So I'm using tension in two ways. A negative way, where tensions are like fights and quarrels and anxiety and diseases, people taking sides. Healthy tensions are like a piano string. The tension makes music. Or a muscle, the tension brings strength. So in times of tensions, you have to keep the tensions. And so I'll give you just a few, but just keep the, I'm going to illustrate the point, but that's the point. What happens often during the bang is we start, because it's so complex, we start looking for simple solutions. And often that means letting go of attention. When that happens, bad things happen, because that's not how the world works. So, for instance, be clear and be kind. It's never going to be clear or kind. It's always going to be grace and truth. It's never going to be grace or truth. It's, they're always friends. Truth is grace and grace is truth. Be convinced and be teachable. 
be clearly defined, Jesus pleaser, and be connected to others, a people lover. How do you do that? It's attention. You got to work at it. It's hard. Be consistent and convicted and, and committed and be flexible. <laughs> That's tough. That's why it's attention. You can't change your core commitments and you have to adapt to what's happening around you at the same time. How do you do that? It's hard. And because it's hard, people look for simple. They let go of one tension or the other. And when you let go of attention, it gets simple for a minute, then it gets way more complicated because it's not how the world works. Be courageous and be humble. This is really hard. I'm usually either feeling humble or feeling courageous. We tend to find ourselves being one or the other, but Jesus was both, and so must we. We have to move that direction. So you get the idea. These are just examples, but in any number of ways, millions of ways, keep the tensions. So let me summarize. Make leading not being like your goal, and I hope people really like you. I really like you. Of course you want to be liked. Who doesn't? But leadership is showing love to those you lead. Be clear about your calling in your heart and then communicate it clearly to people. At the, and in your notes, there's a link, there's a document there that, that outlines some of this calling, and you can look at that later on. But be clear about what God's called you to. And then keep the necessary tensions to lead during times of negative tension. So there's a book called The, Four Ex- the, the Disciplines of Execution. Some of you guys have probably read that. And in there it has a thing called a WIG, the W-I-G, the Wildly Important Goal. And so, what is the wildly important goal of your leadership? There's lots of goals, but there is one wig, one wildly important goal, and the the one thing that will define success for you. And the wig of your leadership is be found faithful. Be found faithful. Say, we we, we haven't heard that before, Terry. I know, I know, but you're going to hear it again, because that is the wildly important goal for your group. Be found faithful. How, How do I know what that looks like? You lean in, you love God, you listen to people, you take chances, you do the best you can. So one, one practical thing I want to discuss, Jim mentioned it, why use a sermon content in small groups? And I, I didn't say study guide, I said sermon content. The study guide is one tool. There's a document, you should have a document there that you can click called why use a sermon. I think it's why use a study guide in small groups. I don't know what it's called, something like that. But there's a document there, it's got seven points you don't have to read it all right now, but I'll just make a few point reasons why we do that. One, we're after transformation. Transformation takes more than just hit a topic for an hour on Sunday, hit a topic for another hour on Wednesday, and move on. It takes some time. So we want to stay with something for at least a week. It's also why we stay with topics for longer periods of time. We want to move together as a family. We believe God is moving us as a family. You say, well, we didn't do it this way before. Well, we've been doing it for a while, and we feel like this is an improvement. We're moving together as a church family. We want to engage the whole counsel of God. What happened in the past when group leaders sort of picked, then they would tend to, and this is natural, they would tend to pick their own felt need or the felt need of one group member. And over a a period of years, they became really good at one small part of the whole counsel of God, and they didn't become biblically balanced. And that's problematic. So if you would look at the sermons over the last 10 years, you would see we're going Old Testament, New Testament. We're, we're, we're trying to give, as a church, we're trying to stay um, the broader scope of biblical flow. 
we encourage flexibility and creativity in the way you, that you lead your group. So you've got the sermon notes, the study guide. You can use your own. And you've got at least, you don't have to shut your group down this summer. You've got at least three months where you can do what you want to do. You can break out and do other things and a lot of people do. Another point that's on your list there is we want to produce full-time followers of Christ. We believe you are the key to that, humanly speaking. So I'd rather you not spend a ton of man hours or woman hours studying. I'd rather you, I'd rather you get your group lesson done pretty quickly because we do a lot of the work for you. And then time you have left, go, go let people see, get around you because that's where they're going to change. I mean, small group changes people, but not as much as you do. So we want to maximize your time. I don't want you spending a lot. I'll spend the hours studying. Jim can spend the hours building a study guide. You guys spend the hours with people. And then we want life on life investment, which is sort of the same thing, but group is for everybody. So you're trying to, we're trying to give um, content that will kind of connect with everybody. And then you can one-on-one tailor it to, to people in your group. Uh, Robert and I and Chris, we're going through uh, a theology together. It's, we're not going to do that in our group. We're doing that offline. And I've Another friend, we're doing a different book together. So you can do the felt need stuff with people offline. That's okay. Um, so look at that document. There's seven things listed. The last is a hard attitude to follow leadership within biblical limits. I'm pretty sure me asking you to do that is not a violation of Scripture. If it is, you can tell me. Um, so here's a sermon. So with that in line, I want to give you the privilege of knowing kind of what's coming. We've been doing Proverbs wisdom this year. So if you're thinking about group, you say, okay, what's happening this fall? September, we're going to spend the month looking at wise decisions from Proverbs. And there's a book that's really good I read, and I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Jim, do you, what's the name of that book? Where are you? What's the name of that book? I'll send it to you. Um, and, but anyway, it's a great book on decision-making. I've read a bunch of them over the years. This is, this is my favorite, but we're going to... Huh? Just do something. What a great title for a decision-making book. Just do something. And um, so we're going we're gonna to look at what Proverbs says about wise decisions. October, money, work, and how all that fits in life purpose. Um, November, Proverbs, wisdom, and the, the big themes of worship and contentment and thanksgiving. December will be Advent, but most of your groups won't meet a lot during that time. 2021, um, starting in January... We're going to do 12-month mini-series. <laughs> so each, each month will be an independent series. And the, the theme for the whole year, and, and I haven't worked out the title, but it's basically it's eternal life begins at conversion, not at death. That's the idea. Eternal life is a different kind of life, not just more life. And so January, I'll, I'll introduce the theology of salvation. What does eternal life mean? And in February, then we'll, we'll break into some of the aspects of what, it, what does it mean to have eternal life now? So February, hearing, what does it mean to hear from God? March, making Christ known. April, what does it mean that this, we're in this already not yet? The fight continues. So what does it mean to deal with the three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil? May, what does life and the spirit mean in the scriptures? June, what does freedom mean? In this life now, guilt, fear, freedom from guilt, fear, discontent, selfishness. So I'll give you the, the whole outline um, as we get closer. But as you think about next year leading group, 
you can look at those months and know, okay, we're going to spend, there's a general theme you can kind of, that kind of ties them all together, but each month will stand alone. So look at the, um, the last thing in your notes, there's a leadership document. You see that it's a longer document, nine-page document. Don't, I'm not going through that. Don't read it now. But I wanted you to have a quick link to that because that really is, we did a lot of work on that to just give you a nine-page summary of what is leadership at, at River look like, group leadership look like. So it's a one-page document that summarizes a lot of stuff. So look at that when you get a chance. I think it'll help you. Um, construction's starting around the 14th, so what it'll mean is there'll be a fence up out, out there when we come that next Sunday. We'll, we'll still be in the yard, <laughs> weather permitting. What we're planning on doing as we go forward, if the weather gets bad on a Sunday or once it gets cold, here's the plan. Again, I'm offering as many options as possible. So once, if we have to move inside, the sanctuary will be mass required. Uh, the cafe will be mass optional for whatever reason. I don't really care the reason. Um, but, the, but the cafe will be mass optional because there's some people that want that option. And if you want people to wear masks, don't go in the cafe. And we'll ask people to, and people have been kind and gracious. When we were in the, when we were in the sanctuary, people wore masks who didn't want to wear masks. You know, we're deferring to one another. And so we'll just keep moving through this and adjusting fire as we go. And, like Jim said, we're going to have fun doing it. And I'm not, I'm not saying that flippantly. I mean, we can be miserable doing this, or we can have fun doing this. We might as well have fun doing this. So we're out here, and it's 100. If we'd have waited one more day, it would have been like a beautiful, cool fall night. But <laughs> So we moved on this side of the building. Let's, let's do this with some joy and expectancy. I mean, God is not falling asleep. And, um, and don't stress if, you're, if, you're, if you planned your group and you planned the spot and something doesn't work out and you're nervous, my group leader's going to think I'm a terrible leader. No, they're not. Let's just get this done. Let's figure it out and get it done. Like Aaron Lewis is getting married in a week and there was some all kind of extenuating situations and I said, Aaron, bottom line, September 5th, you're married, dude. That's, we're going to get it done. And all the rest, let's just smile and adjust as we go. So um, don't fake optimism, but be optimistic. Brenda's going to come up and lead us. Instead of having a prayer time, it's hot and there's lots going on. So Brenda's just going to voice a prayer for us, and then we'll be dismissed. One of... One of the things Terry said I really liked, he said, listen, learn, love, and lead. And I was thinking about God's power this week and just how much we need that. And if you don't feel like you have what it takes to lead, you're in a good place because God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And we need God's power to humbly and faithfully serve and love God and others. And so I'm going to close by reading a prayer that Paul wrote in Ephesians 3. So join me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. And you can hang out as long as you want. Snacks are there. Have a good night. Thanks for coming.